So first off, um, this is an article that I put out um, the other week um, on the UN-backed Banker Alliance uh, discussing their plans to transform the global financial system. Um, as you can see here, it's about uh, the most pro powerful private financial interests in the world uh, using COP26's cover to essentially transform the entire global financial system. Um, and what they, the, the main way they seek to do that, as I point out here, is that they want to fuse with the multilateral uh, development banking system, uh, which includes the World Bank and other organizations, regional and multilateral development banks as well. Um, and basically use them to uh, force the privatization of assets. But whereas in the past, a lot of these banks were used as sort of a, in a weaponized way to force the privatization of, of state assets, uh, I would argue, um, and if you're familiar with my work on natural asset companies, um, <clears throat> which you can see in, in this article here, um, I think the the plan here is to force the privatization of natural assets now that they've created this new asset class um, as a way to basically extend ownership over the entire uh, natural world as well and ecological processes. So <clears throat> uh, this group, um, I mentioned earlier, the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero uh, GFANS uh, was convened uh, by Mark Carney uh, who is the former chair of the Bank of England and also the Bank of Canada, a big time central banker. Uh, he's currently a special advisor to UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and also special envoy for climate action and finance at the UN. Um, in addition to his role in setting this up, it was also Janet Yellen, U.S. Secretary of the Treasury, and John Kerry, who is the U.S. Special Presidential Envoy uh, for Climate Change, I believe, to the U.N. specifically. Um, but he also acts as an envoy in that regard to the World Economic Forum and other groups like that as well. Um, and currently, um, as you can see in this screenshot here, the leadership of GFANS is Mark Carney and Michael Bloomberg. So this is really a... Um, <clears throat> Um, uh, an alliance dominated, I guess you could say, by um, North American and also, I guess, British banking interests to an extent, um, with a lot of influence from the U.S. Um, and if we look at uh, the original announcements for this, uh, this alliance was launched in April 21st. Um, we can see, let's see, I highlighted a couple things here. Yeah, this is where they officially announced the people, uh, the honorable <laughs> people launching this. Um, GFANS, uh, per, per these individuals, is going to provide a forum for strategic coordination among the leadership of finance institutions from across the finance sector to accelerate the transition to a net zero economy. So essentially it's a strategic coordination forum of the most powerful people in the banking industry, specifically private banking, um, that are coming together to plan how to completely remake and transform um, the financial system <laughs> in the economy, essentially. Um, and this is uh, pretty much directly stated if you go down here. And this announcement by people involved in the launch of this alliance, like Boris Johnson, saying, uniting the world's banks and financial institutions behind the global transition to net zero um, is crucial to unlocking the finance we need to get there. And, you know, so basically he's speaking to the fact that this is uh, an alliance that unites the world's banks, the world's bankers, essentially. And, you know, when the world's bankers <laughs> all get together uh, to plan things in secret, you know, we should... Uh, 
probably be scrutinizing it instead of applauding it as Boris Johnson does here, but you know, maybe that's just me. Um, and But what's really telling is what John Kerry said specifically. I'll um, just focus on that first sentence. Um, he says, the largest financial players in the world recognize energy transition represents a vast commercial opportunity. And then I guess, uh, you know, as an addendum there, he says, as well as a planetary imperative. Uh, but it's it's quite telling that he initially says that this is a vast uh, commercial opportunity. And um, <clears throat> speaking of these, uh, you know, these this broader green finance trend with uh, new asset classes and natural uh, finance, um, as I wrote about natural asset corporations here, sorry, I probably should have scrolled down sooner. Uh, this is from the people that created that asset class with the um, New York Stock Exchange. And, you know, this is the opportunity. The opportunity isn't um, <laughs> to help the environment or sustainability or anything like that. It's to um, increase the uh at the amount of assets available for purchase and allow the existing Wall Street casinos to go on into the foreseeable future because now they've reached limits with 512 trillion estimated assets in the existing economy and they want it to go to four quadrillion. Essentially, this is the opportunity um, as they see it, but of course they're cloaking it with a lot of, um, you know, <laughs> nice language, I guess you could say. Um, <clears throat> But uh, essentially, that's what GFANS uh, is in, in a nutshell in their own words. Um, but some of the interesting groups um, here that I, well, okay, so, sorry. So uh, there's a couple groups here that I allude to um, that compose GFANS, one of the main ones being the Net Zero Banking Alliance. You also have, you know, the asset managers for Net Zero and some of these other other groups there that include BlackRock and, uh, you know, firms like that. Um, <clears throat> uh, but here we have the Net Zero Banking Alliance. And just to give people an idea um, uh, of the significance of this group. So a lot of these different alliances, inc uh, including GFANS, are linked to the UN through the UN's Environment Program, or UNEP, but specifically their finance initiative. And a lot of them have ties to uh, the Prince of Wales Sustainable Markets Initiative. Um, uh, being based out of the UK, uh, speci specifically its Financial Services Task Force, which is headed by HSBC, um, one of the most corrupt banks in the world. Uh, just leaving that uh, there for, for now. But, you know, if you want to go to this website, see some of the banks that are there, um, it, it, a massive amount of, uh, of banks, including uh, the Chilean State Bank, which is a little surprised to see, but that's basically everyone's bank in Chile. So, um, but a, a lot of focus on the emerging and developing world with banks here um, as well. And it's no coincidence that GFANS is so interested in emerging markets and developing countries specifically. Uh, but it's really significant that this represents 43% of all global banking assets. This is not um, a group to be ignored. Um, <clears throat> Um, so even though you have, you know, these uh, numerous banking institutions and groups, um, what's important here is that, as I mentioned earlier, we have the leadership of Mark Carney and Mike Bloomberg, but also the people that are setting the policy in the strategic forum aren't necessarily the member banks, right? It's these principles and the people at the top. So essentially, you'll have people like uh, Banco Santander, which is like, uh, I think, the second biggest bank in Spain. It's a major bank in Latin America. A Citibank, HSBC, uh, the Investment Committee of the David Rockefeller Fund. You have Larry Fink himself of BlackRock and uh, CEO of Bank of America. 
Um, I'm pretty sure that both this guy, the head guy at HSBC, uh, HSBC and the head guy at Bank of America are directly involved with the Sustainable Markets Initiative um, out of the UK that's partnered with this as well. Okay. Um, so those are essentially the groups behind it. Now I kind of, um, in the interest of time, should speed ahead to talk about, you know, what they lay out in their so-called progress report. The progress report was timed uh, to be released uh, with the launch of COP26, okay? And basically uh, they talk about what they've done so far, but also their short-term ambitions. And the short-term ambitions are pretty significant. Um, so um, basically, they propose to do two things. One I already alluded to, which is this effort to remake the multilateral banking system um, and seize upon the new Bretton Woods movement or, or moment, as they call it, which is now, which um, I can get into in a little bit. But uh, the first thing they point out specifically um, uh, about what they want to do is create a country platform specifically in developing countries. Um, so if you go and look at an example <laughs> of something that is a country platform, they offer Mike Bloomberg's Climate Finance Leadership Initiative, uh, which is partnered with HSBC and Goldman Sachs and lots of Wall Street banks among, <laughs> among other groups. Um, so what's interesting is that if you look at a country platform, um, this is the website for Bloomberg's Climate Finance Leadership Initiative. And if you go here, it talks about uh, the need to uh, join the public sector with private finance and all of this stuff, right? The public-private partnership. But if you look at this uh, graphic here, that they call their um, the investment chain of how their country platform works. It's pretty significant with the role of government actually is, and it's very negligible. Um, so <laughs> essentially in, in green here, we have the, um, the public sector, right? And so the public sector's role in this investment chain is essentially boiled down to sovereign wealth funds and pension funds, which themselves pension funds are largely managed by asset managers like BlackRock, at least in the US, um, who have their own very specific agendas. Um, and then it's central banks, uh, and the only really role of national governments is down here through their uh, relationship with development finance institutions, um, which is basically like, you know, if you look at the quote unquote ownership of the IMF or the World Bank, you know, the U.S. has like a majority of, of shares or um, influence there, but it's not really, um, it's pretty significant or pretty obvious from this chart that the investment chain as they call it, uh, doesn't really involve the public sector at all, um, uh, at least not to any significant degree. And this is something being uh, country platforms are um, essentially central banks working with private finance and coming closer together to um, boost investment in specific sectors. Uh, for more information, I would uh, encourage people who are interested to read Unlocking Private Climate Finance in Emerging Markets, uh, which was put out by this um, uh, Bloomberg group in connection with the, the G20 uh, meeting that was also pretty uh, recent. <clears throat> okay, uh, moving along, probably the, the, the most important part of this, though, has to do with uh, multilateral uh, development banks, uh, because basically what they say here is that you know, they say, oh, this is all about net zero, this is all about um, helping emerging markets and, and, and developing countries uh, access the capital necessary to get to carbon zero and all of this stuff. Um, 
But if you actually read the report, first of all, they say we have to in increase private sector MDB, multi -development, uh, multilateral development bank uh, collaboration, and essentially talks about uh, fusing them and having multilateral development banks, whereas they were previously used, uh, for example, as weapons, <laughs> uh, unconventional weapons by state governments or state militaries uh, will now essentially be the weapons of private finance, specifically the members of uh, this alliance. Um, uh, so in addition to that, we also have um, their report stating that what they one of the things they want these banks like the world bank and the imf and all of that to do specifically um is to quote create the right high level cross-cutting enabling environments for alliance members investments in those nations the significantly greater levels of private capital investment which are needed to reach net zero, according to GFANS, require that uh, multilateral development banks are used to prompt developing nations to, quote, establish investment-friendly business environments, a replicable framework for deploying private capital investments and pipelines of bankable investment opportunities. Um, GFANS then notes that, quote, private capital and investment will flow to these projects if governments and policymakers create the appropriate conditions. So essentially, uh, the role of these banks is to use um, uh, what they've done for a long time. Previously, you know, the World Bank and stuff have been criticized for um, using uh, loans and, and debt, essentially, uh, in, in a weaponized way to force certain policies on governments, austerity policies, privatization of, of state assets, things like that, um, onto the developing world. Um, this is very much the same, but it's being directed not by... Um, the member governments necessarily of the World Bank, but by private finance um, and being done to privatize um, <laughs> the new assets, natural, um, natural assets that are quantified by, you know, through these natural asset corporations um, and things like that, but also force uh, governments to basically open up to uh, predatory investment from these banks under the guise of it being the you know, moving the world uh, closer to net zero goals and stuff like that. Um, so it's 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 it was it was quite astounding to read this, but not altogether uh, surprising. But really, you know, the way this is being sold is is just so different than how this is going to play out in practice. Um, and uh, this was alluded to directly by uh, Larry Fink himself at COP26 uh, last week during the first week of, of the conference, uh, because he said uh, specifically, um, and since he was involved with chief fans in the, um, or is involved with them in the, uh, the authoring of this report, well, I'll just bring up the exact quote here. Um, here he says, we must reimagine the World Bank and the IMF. So, I mean, this is um, something that they're very serious about doing. Um, and it's it's definitely no small thing. Um, let's see. Uh, another key thing here, though, is that this is um, their talk in, in this report, you know, these major banks um, about seizing the new Bretton Woods movement is really significant because for those that aren't familiar, uh, the Bretton's Woods system was what was developed uh, before World War II even ended. There was the great, I guess you could call it the catalyst of, of the war, the need to rebuild from the war. Um, was used to usher in a completely new um, financial global financial system. Um, and so now these uh, entities, 
the UN and all of these private banks and asset managers and all of that are viewing, I guess, COVID-19 or the climate change situation or whatever, uh, you know, uh, these different issues, they're viewing that as, you know, or framing that as the new catalyst to create this new Bretton Woods moment, which obviously means <laughs> creating a new Bretton Woods system. And they allude to that by talking about the need to remake the global financial government system so that it promotes economic stability and sustainable growth, they say. Uh, but really, this is... Um, if you look into the the finer print here, um, it's it's about establishing their um, their control of this uh, new system, which when it, it shouldn't really surprise anyone because it's um you know you're putting the bankers in in charge um, essentially. So what else would they do? Um, and um, for some people who may be confused as to why the UN would support this, um, I would like to draw your attention to this particular quote that I conclude the piece with. Uh, that's from then UN Secretary General Kofi Annan. Uh, I learned about this from Ian, who will be speaking after me, but it's a very revealing um, and, and telling quote um, where he talks about how essentially uh, Kofi Annan admits that there's been this quiet revolution at the UN uh, instead of working with national governments. Now it's much more than that in the business of the United Nation involves the businesses of the world. The private sector is essentially uh, now in charge, uh, more or less, um, not the, um, you know, the, the, uh, the perception that the UN continues to command that it's this, um, uh, a group of different national governments coming together and they're democratically elected, at least most of them. And it's a global consensus built on democracy and, you know, uh, multilateralism and all this stuff. I mean, that's really not <laughs> uh, what it is in practice. And you can see this through them backing something uh, like G fans, uh, for example, and this new push uh, for a global financial uh, government system. Um, so I will um, sign off there.